This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience Podcast. I'm excited to be doing another interview today, and today we actually have a co-leader combo going on, so I'm really excited to talk to both of them. So let's start with introductions. I'll let you guys introduce yourselves because I don't know you. So tell me who you are, like where you're from, what council, how you're involved with Girl Scouts, what kind of roles you have, whether you have anything beyond a troop leader, and then if you could just kind of describe your troop demographics for me. Sure. So I'm Kim Kennedy, and my co-leader is Jen Silverman. And together we lead a DAISY troop uh, for Girl Scouts Nation's Capital. Um, We are one in the same, pretty much. We are both program co-chairs on the encampment committee. We serve as planners for bridging and other events as needed. And we're both Tomahawk facilitators. And we're really excited for when all this kind of comes to an end and we get to use those skills again in, in real life. Okay, tell me about Tomahawk because we don't use that expression in my council. So I'm guessing there are other listeners who also don't know what that is. So basically the tomahawks are like those ax-shaped throwing things. And our council added them recently as a high adventure uh, activity for the teen girls. So even though we lead daisies, we enjoyed throwing tomahawks. So we thought, why not learn? And then we can take some older girls out and teach them all the awesome things. So tomahawks are just those basic axes that you throw at stumps of trees or fence posts that the um, council has set up on some of their Girl Scout campsites. Okay, that's so funny because I, obviously I know tomahawk is. I legit thought it was just, I don't know, like a certification title in your council that you were just calling something that, like, I didn't know it was literally going to be throwing them. That's so funny. How long have, so you both are involved on um, planning encampment, planning all these extra events. How long have you been troop leaders? Um, So we've been together for six years as troop leaders, but we've known each other a lot longer than that. That's awesome. So you said you're daisy leaders. So do you have only daisies? Have you had only daisies for six years? And what happens when they age out? Like, how does that work? So we, together, we've only had daisies. I've um, had troops with my mom in college where I led brownies and juniors. Um, But the last six years, we've been exclusively daisy troop leaders. Uh, We, where we meet is an elementary school. And so a lot of our girls come from that elementary school. And there is a brownie, a junior, and a cadet troop that all meet on the same night, same place, same time. So our girls have the advantage of being able to go into those troops and continue their Girl Scout career um, in a location that they see as home. So that's really awesome. We were the founders of that area. So we started off six years ago as just a daisy troop, uh, meeting in elementary school. 
Um, and then we had girls age out. So we needed a brownie troop. Um, and my sister jumped in and she started the brownie troop. And then we had girls aging out of brownies. And um, we just had to keep the progression going because it's so much easier for parents to drop off on one night at one location, like all the girls, than to have to like remember a Monday meeting, a Wednesday meeting, and which school. And, um, and then we get to watch them grow up like as they get older, which is one of our favorite parts of having them all at the same spot at one night. So I'm fascinated by this. Is this kind of normal in your council that leaders focus on one level, not on one group of girls? Because that is definitely not what is the case for most of the leaders I've talked to on here. No, actually, Jen and I, we don't have children of our own. We're hoping eventually maybe daughters one day. But um, we wouldn't say that this is typical. It's kind of the culture that we've placed on our families and our girls is this is the expectation and they've done a great job of just rising to that and continuing it as they get older maybe eventually we'll switch if our you know if our children want to do scouting and go up through the ranks but right now we are daisies all the way and it's so much easier for like planning wise because we can grow with the program and we've learned the pedals we've learned the badges and as they add new things um, it's easier for us to like make a better program because we're kind of like masters of that program and um, it just it makes for a better year and easier for us to plan when we're doing 5,000 other things as well. <laughs> I was just thinking that, that you're basically DAISY program experts which is um, I suppose relatively unusual just because DAISY programming is so different from basically every other level. And as soon as you get the hang of it, your girls pretty much age up into the next level. So um, do you have any specific tips or best practices you would want to share for specifically DAISY troop leaders that are kind of new and are like, what the heck are pedals? Do I do pedals? Do I do journeys? Do I do the other badges? Like, how do I do this? So we like to leave it to the girls to kind of decide and build our year. We have our basic structure and the first couple things we'll always work on is that sort of promise center and building that foundation. And then we'll expand from there. Um, our goal is to complete the petals, all the petals by the time they're done with us in daisies. Uh, and the petals each represent, you know, a specific part of the law. So it's really important for that foundation that they understand all of those pieces and can look back to those as they move forward, but letting them sort of decide what, what do they want to learn. And as kindergarten and first graders, sometimes it's hard to pull that out of them because they've never been given the opportunity to pick what they want to do and, and learn. So we have lots of great ideas come from our girls like cooking and bike riding, hiking, and these are things that we are either willing to learn how to do or already know how to do and can support that program through their ideas. But also don't think as a first year Daisy leader that you have to do everything. Like focus on something and make that something great and then expand as you get more skills, more connections. Like you don't have to fill their smock or their vest the first year like no we're not about that we'd rather provide a quality program than to have them have so many things and not be able to tell you like what they did um so we kind of you know we work with the girls we usually set our schedule for like three month increments 
So that way we can um, just get a feel for the girls and what they want to do. And then, you know, all right, well, what, you know, what do you want to do in the future? All right, let's add it to the calendar or, oh, we had a snow day. Let's, you know, go back and do this. Um, but don't plan the whole year, like in one sitting. <laughs> because you also have to account for those service unit events that pop up like thinking day. And now you need to make swaps for 20 girls and they each need three and you're going to want to spend a whole night of your meeting doing that or around the holidays, there's a service project that you really want to do. So it's better if you just plan, you know, a couple months at a time and, and are flexible with your planning and knowing that if it doesn't get done, it'll be there next time. And remember they're six and they don't know how to use scissors yet. <laughs> I love all of that advice. I think that's really good. Um, so you mentioned that neither of you has a daughter in the troop, and I can relate. Anybody who's been listening to this podcast for a while knows that I do not have a kid in the troop. In fact, none of the leaders or co-leaders in the history of my troop has ever had a kid in the troop, and that is super unusual, so I feel like a kinship with you right now. Um, but then tell me, how did you get involved as troop leaders? Where did this come from then? So for me, getting involved wasn't a choice. Um, my parents, my mom was really involved um, when I was a girl, so it just kind of came second nature. Um, she was one of my troop leaders. My aunt was my troop leader. Um, and when they, when I graduated high school, I knew there was a need for troop leaders just from being involved in service unit events as a child. Um, we talked about starting a younger girl troop at one of the schools that needed, that had a lot of interest, but needed a leader. So my mom and I stepped up to lead, I believe it was a Brownie troop. Um, and we bounced around and had a couple different troops back then. But when Jen and I graduated college and became teachers, we decided why not lead our own troop? So that's really about six years ago when we started this troop um, and got involved on the DAISY level. So I also started out as a Girl Scout. I was a Daisy. Um, my mom led a troop uh, for Daisies and Brownies. And um, then she got sick and had cancer and no longer could lead a troop. So then I started bouncing around to other troops, um, but I stuck with Girl Scouts. Um, it was that one thing that like my mom started with me and I just wanted to continue. Like it was my connection. I had all these other wonderful women in my life who could just like step up where she wasn't able to and just make me who I am. Um, and so even like when I graduated to Girl Scouts and went to college, I still wanted that connection with, you know, where I grew up. So I joined the encampment committee and that was my like, all right, I'm going to commit one weekend a month. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to a meeting and we'll start from there. Um, and then of course, Kim and I were on the committee together and she's like, well, let's do a troop. Well, when your best friend says, let's do a troop, you do a troop. There's no arguing with that. So I graduated college and we started a troop. Um, and you know, we had no idea what we were doing, but you know, we made it work. And, and um, We've just built from there. So, you know, we joined, you know, planning bridging or planning events and we've taken a stronger role on the encampment committee and um, we've just grown from there. And it's like, how do you live without Girl Scouts? And you can't. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree. Were you a Girl Scout growing up? And so both of you said you were. And if I understood correctly, both of you went all the way through, correct? Yeah. Yep. That's I, amazing. Yeah, we, we went, Jen was a couple a year or two ahead of me. Um, so 
kind of like <laughs> that my shoulder. <laughs> a year, right. So I was kind of following in her footsteps, you know, along the way. And I always looked up to her as being one of those older girls, even if it was just a year. She was a senior before I was a senior. She was a cadet before I was a cadet. Um, so I think that I always looked up to her as like, this is what a model Girl Scout should be. So that was, it's really neat now that we are sort of those adults and we're doing this together. And hopefully we can be an inspiration to those graduating seniors that are, you know, moving into adulthood to kind of say, yeah, I can keep doing this. No big deal. So I have to ask, did you guys get your gold awards? Kim did. I did not. Yes, I did. Um, oh, wait a second. She was right? the role model Girl Scout. No, I'm just kidding. There's no <laughs> wrong way to be a Girl Scout. I'm just teasing. Okay, um, Kim, tell me about yours. So my gold award, I had in high school adopted two cats from a local, it's not a no-kill shelter, but it's a low-kill shelter. So they're not allowed to say no-kill because if an animal does get sick or need to be euthanized, they need to be able to make that decision on the, the animal's behalf. So my family adopted two cats and they both got FIP, which is an infectious kitty disease. Um, and basically there's no cure for it and their health just kind of deteriorates. So we had to have both of the cats euthanized and that was a horrible thing. This was the first pets we've ever owned outside of like a hamster and a goldfish. So it was really hard. And I said, I want to do something so this doesn't happen to other families. And it was an animal control agent who was in charge of this shelter. And she kind of opened it on her own out of compassion for animals. So I went to her and I said, look, I want to do this for my gold project. This is what the gold project is. And I want to come in and clean and rebuild and make this shelter an amazing resource for the community and, you know, a place where families can adopt animals and give them a good home. Basically, I went in and I deep cleaned the shelter. I, you know, rebuilt the cat run. They had chain link fencing and I learned how to dig a French drain so the wash sink would go away from the building and I organized the shelves and built the shelves in the shed and set up donation drives to sort of replenish the stock of the shelter. Um, and probably one of my favorite things was the community theater was doing a kid's version of Cats. So I created these really cute flyers to put in the programs. And I think the majority of the cats got adopted from those flyers that were in that um, program at the theater. And I concluded everything with a ceremony that I created because there just wasn't, now we're not talking a long time ago, this was about 2008, there wasn't a huge, a ceremony-based information for Gold Award recipients. And so I created a ceremony based around all the ceremonies I've ever been in as a Girl Scout. Um, and I just think that that experience has really helped me because I was in charge of so much different committees and people, you know, were working underneath me to get things done. We had um, a window donated so the cats could have sunlight. We had a washer and dryer donated so they could do laundry on site. Um, it was just such a rewarding experience to be able to know that I was helping not only the community, but also the animals in the community that I cared, you know, so much for. Um, we actually adopted two cats from there after the whole project was 
finished and one of them is still with us today. <laughs> so it's just, it's a great reminder. And I always kind of push the older girls to, to attempt to, to meet this requirement because it's just so fulfilling and it's, it's such a wonderful experience. It's definitely quite a commitment and it does require developing a lot of skills that um, as a step parent of a, a newly minted high school graduate, I can go ahead and say not all high school graduates have the opportunity to develop those things. But as I did mention, um, in all fairness, that's amazing and, um, and deserves all of the kudos and all of the recognition. But also there is no wrong way to be a Girl Scout. Do you want to, Jen, touch on why you didn't get one? Um, so I feel like my main reason was I didn't have that, like, mom figure that was, you know, driving you, like, hey, you should really do this. Like, Girl Scouts was my thing. Um, being raised by my dad and my grandparents, like, yeah, my dad was a chauffeur. He made sure I got to all the meetings and the camping trips. And, you know, I got, you know, what I needed for my uniform and to go camping. But my dad wasn't there going, you need to earn this badge or you should try this badge or you should try this. Like, it was all me. Um, and so I did earn a silver award, um, but the gold award to me was just like out of reach. It didn't like, I didn't have that motivation within me to be able to have those connections and be able to get there where I needed to be. Um, so I think that's part of the reason why, like, I just didn't go for it. In a way that's almost just as inspirational as hearing the experience of somebody who did earn it because then as volunteers, both us right now having this conversation and anybody who listens, um, because then that's just a perspective to keep in mind of the role that we can serve for the girls in our own troops and being mindful of the fact that everybody's coming from different home situations. Everybody's home is different and everybody's family is different and um, keeping in mind what role we get to play is just that's for me that's why I do this because I love and I think you guys probably can both relate also not having your own kid in the troop where um it's an opportunity in my opinion to continue to be in a role like that for as many kids as I can and I think you said both of you are teachers too correct yep. yeah <laughs> so like oh, even more okay. so <laughs> Um, on that note, so, okay, so we covered your, um, that you guys were both in Girl Scouts all the way through, and how you sort of came to be volunteers. What makes you continue to come back? So, I guess for me, um, it's just, this is, this is my hobby, this is something I enjoy doing. Yeah, there's things that, you know, I don't enjoy, but the majority of it is fun. I like to watch the girls grow and change and learn, um, even as they leave us as daisies, just seeing them come back and like, wow, they really, they really get it. We really built those foundational skills and they they were able to build on that. Uh, I love camping and outdoors. And I think starting them as daisies and instilling that in them and showing them you can do this that's that's my reason why is starting them off young giving them those skills and that foundation and just watching them take it and make it their own yeah i agree and then 
this the family we've created like in our Girl Scout unit, like the people that you, you know, make your family that are your friends. And um, it's hard to just walk away from that. And, you know, we've missed each other so much. Like we're on Zoom constantly, like checking in. And um, it's just that, you know, that social time, that friendship. And, you know, it's just, it's not something that's easy to walk away from. It's true. Once a Girl Scout, always a Girl Scout. Absolutely. <laughs> um, what is one of your proudest moments as a Girl Scout volunteer? My proudest moment, and this is the first time in the six years that it hasn't happened um, because of COVID, we, Jen and I, are on the encampment program committee. So we plan all the program for the encampment. Um, it, our encampments in our service unit happen every other year. Uh, so this was going to be an encampment year, and in May, we were supposed to take the whole service unit camping. It was Olympic-themed. It was going to be great. Um, so just being able to see daisies, kindergarten and first graders, five and six-year-olds camping outside for two nights. And of course, we do the progression, and we build up to this point. So that's my proudest moment, is seeing these girls put to use everything we've taught them, how to pitch a tent, how to cook on a fire, you know, how to just be involved in the activities and immerse themselves in the experience. It's just so awesome to see them so young being able to have this experience. Um, so that's my proudest moment. And I'm glad I get to relive it sort of every, every other year as we do encampments. Um, and so my proudest moment, um, we've been together for six years. So one of the girls who started with us was actually a student of mine. She was in our first troop. Um, she never really knew what Girl Scouts was, but she knew she wanted to spend more time with her teacher. So she joined Girl Scouts. And um, so she joined our troop and she has stuck with it. So she's now a cadet. And I'm still a first grade teacher. And so last year she was going on a camping trip with her at that time, junior troop. Um, and her parents aren't very involved in Girl Scouts. It's one of those, like, I'm going to drop you off at meetings. I'll make sure you have, you know, what you need. Um, so she kind of looks up to me as her Girl Scout mom and she'll tell people, this is my Girl Scout mom. And I tell people, this is my Girl Scout daughter. Um, well, she wanted me to go camping. So being that it was at the end of the school year and there's already a million things going on, it was like the last thing I wanted to do. So I kept putting it off. I'm like, I don't know, like I have to take off work and I've already taken off work a lot. Like, I just don't know. So being that Girl Scout daughter that she is, she created a camp posal. So kind of like a prom posal, but a camp posal. And camp posaled me in front of my entire first grade class. She had a big pink sign and it had 10 reasons why I should go camping with her on this trip. So in front of my whole class, she's announcing that, you know, your teacher needs to go camping with me and here's why. So how do you turn down a fifth grader with a camp posal in front of your entire first grade class? You just can't. Um, but it took a lot of courage for her to stand in front of my class and, you know, change my lesson and my whole day to like introduce her, you know, this is what's going on. And, um, but it's one of those moments that I'll never forget because, you know, she's been with it for the past, you know, five years at that point. And, you know, she, she wanted her Girl Scout mom going camping with her. 
Um, and it ended up being the wackiest camping trip ever. And, you know, I'm glad I wasn't the leader at that time. I was just the camp mom. I wasn't the leader in charge. Um, but it ended up being a really great experience for us. That is an incredible story. I love that. <laughs> so um, I want to add a little caveat in here just because I know some people listening are going to be thinking it. Um, there definitely are different restrictions around ages that can do different levels of progression in camping depending on where you are in the country, depending on what your council's rules are. So um, I agree. I think that's really awesome to be able to see the progression no matter how old your girls are, but especially that young that they're able to do all those things in two nights away. But yes, admittedly, if you're listening to this, you do need to check your council safety procedures and guidelines to see if they're allowed to go camping, if they're allowed to do two nights, whatever the restrictions are. Um, I think at this point, most councils, it's just a readiness thing and maybe a distance thing. I know in my council, it's a distance thing that they can only go however far from their meeting location. But yes, I know, I know, I know that's going to be some people's reaction. So we'll just go ahead and acknowledge it and call a spade a spade that yes, of course, check your council. Okay. What is one of the coolest adventures or experiences that you have gotten to do with your troop? So this is a tradition that we started with uh, our troop. Our first year, we decided part of that progression should be a sleepover in a lodge. Um, so that way the girls can have that night away from their families as part of that, we're gonna sleep outside in tents. And so every December, we plan a winter sleepover. It's one night. We go up Friday night and set everything up, and then they come up Saturday night. And um, set up means you make it magical, like Christmas lights, inflatables, yes. decorations, like magical winter wonderland here. Yes. And so this gives the parents an opportunity to do some holiday shopping without their daughters. Uh, so we rent a lodge at a Girl Scout camp, and we do all of the holiday activities. We bake cookies, we have a book swap, so the girls bring a wrapped book and we tell one of those left-right stories and then they get to leave with a new book. Um, we learn about selling Girl Scout cookies. That's always kind of our jump off to practicing our cookie booths and how we're gonna interact with customers. Uh, we like to do that first aid pin. The Daisies have a first aid pin. Just practicing your phone number, your address, your parents' names, those kinds of things. We have a candy cane scavenger hunt and we do um, a fire with s'mores in the fireplace. We go on a hike. Uh, I love showing them the latrines because it, they just get a kick out of it. Like that's where you have to use the restroom if you're sleeping outside. So be grateful that we're, we're inside. And not um, to mention it's usually snowy, icy, rainy. The elements of Maryland have usually caught up with us at this point. <laughs> Yes, there's been many a times where we've had to hike stuff into camp or call the parents and say, why don't you wait an hour and let's see what happens. Um, but we let the girls pitch tents to sleep in at the end of the night and we put Christmas lights on the tents and everything really make it a lot of fun for them. And on Saturday night, we have a huge traditional dinner. So ham or turkey and mac and cheese and green beans. And we let the girls sort of plan the meal and tell us what do they want to eat. And then they're totally responsible for cooking, you know, mixing the macaroni, measuring the different ingredients, 
opening the cans or dumping the cans in the pot. So we really make it their dinner. And as Jen mentioned earlier, seeing our girls move up and become brownies and juniors and cadets, now the older level troops also rent sites at that same camp on that same night. And we have that traditional dinner together. So last year, it was about 50 plus people in this lodge having this traditional, you know, Christmas dinner and just all hanging out and the older girls getting to see them interact with the younger girls and help them and everybody sort of has their own job and responsibility. It's that's that's my favorite experience and it's a tradition that we're going to do forever. So it's really nice. Yeah, I really hope that we can have this in the fall or in the winter because we're going to be really upset if we cannot do our sleepover because a virtual sleepover is just not the same. No. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, you know, it gets them out there and they're close enough to home that if something, you know, if they really aren't comfortable, we can call, you know, for assistance. But this is where we get to know the girls and, you know, their bonds outside of a meeting, like, all right, who are their friends? What are they like? How long, you know, can they really stay with an activity? And all right, is it time to go outside? And all right, who's the one that's lost socks all over camp? Like, it really teaches us who the girls are. And it, you know, it moves our year forward after doing our first sleepover together. Um, but I picked my most memorable event as the end of the year. Um, so after we've done our progression, um, last year we were invited to go to a high adventure camp out. Um, so the girls use their cookie money to fund this trip. And it is in a different council's um, site that we stayed at, um, but it was the last day of school because the calendar got changed, but the date for this activity did not get changed. So it's the last day of school. The girls are all excited. We're going on a trip. Um, and so we ended up going to a camp where we stayed in Adirondacks and it was on a lake. It was beautiful. Um, and we took, um, about a handful of girls and their moms got to go and, um, we got to go canoeing with them. Um, one of our high adventure activities, cause daisies aren't allowed to do that much, but canoeing is one of the things they are allowed to do. Um, and just being able to see them on the water with the paddles, splashing each other and having races. And of course, there was an adult in each canoe to help, you know, navigate where we're going. But they had such a great time just being out on the water and then doing all the other activities at this campsite that we've never done before. Um, there was a smaller rock wall that they could do. There was nature, like, um, it's like an art nature thing where they got to walk through and find different things. And um, just cooking hot dogs over the campfire. And for us, it was a learning curve because we're used to having a refrigerator with the girls. Um, when we go on a sleepover or even a camp out, we tend to get a lodge. So we still have that refrigeration, but we didn't have a refrigerator. So we had to get the coolers and ice everything. And, um, so it tested our limits a little bit, taught us, you know, what we could do. Um, but it was just so awesome having that time with them at the end of the school year and that one last hurrah before we sent them off for the summer. Everybody is talking about whether schools are going to be back in session as normal and if they are, hopefully that means we could go back in person, but um, how, how are you guys personally and what do you know about your council as far as how do you measure when it's safe to go back to in-person stuff? We're just kind of waiting on the council's feedback. Um, in the beginning of all this, we were supposed to 
become facilitators for slingshots, which is one of the high adventure things daisies can do. And it was a they had first made their statement to close everything down for a specific amount of weeks. And we're like, okay, if they reopen, we'll be able to do this. And then they ended, ex ended up extending it and then extending it again. And so now I'm not sure the exact date, um, it, but it, yeah, it's through August that we're not allowed to do anything in person, which I'm 100% okay with. I want to make sure that all of this is taken care of. Um, my husband's a nurse, so he's on the front lines of all of this and is seeing sort of the influx and, you know, the waxing and waning of all the cases. So I am absolutely okay with whatever Girl Scout says is the best for our kids um, and just keeping an eye on the future in hopes that, you know, one day we'll get back to normal and be able to do all these fun in-person activities even if it is an, in a limited amount of people or a limited amount of contact, um, just being able to provide these experiences for the girls, I think is really important. Which is hard because we're a recruitment level. So we're trying to get the girls involved and you know, we do a lot of recruiting at our elementary school, mm -hmm. but it's hard not knowing like, can we have a troop of 10 or can we have a troop of 20? Like what should we be looking at in terms of numbers? Um, and then are we even going to be allowed to meet in the school? Is that going to be extra cleaning that's going to have to be done and they don't want to take that on? Um, so we're discussing like backup plans as to what we can do. Um, so one of our plans um, was going to be to use the Girl Scout campsite if it opens up again um, and maybe have like one meeting a month where we work on um, like a couple of pedals or a badge or just something so we could, you know, still continue to meet with them um, because we have been using Zoom to meet with them and it's just not the same. Um, a six-year-old's attention span on a computer is about 20 minutes if we're lucky um, and you definitely can't do a quality badge in 20 minutes. <laughs> and on top of that, you are also going through this pain point of virtual teaching at the same time. So what, what have your meetings looked like? What have you been doing to keep in touch with the girls and to keep them engaged in Girl Scouts? I feel like being a teacher like almost gives us a leg up because we kind of experimented with the teaching stuff first and then brought it to Girl Scouts. Like we took a break um, initially because we didn't want to overwhelm the families and we were just like, you know, get settled, figure out what you need to do. And then that gave us time to work with, you know, what platform we liked. And, you know, I teach first grade, so I'm already working with that age group. So to figure out what the ideal time is and skill set and what they can do. Um, but Kim's really great at coming up with activities for them to do. That's not like um, badge work. So. <laughs> and we did, we started out with some self-paced pedal work where we created a Google Slides document and sent it out to our parents and it had the three pedals that we missed working on at the end of the year because of the closures. And then we just had Zoom activities. One was a scavenger hunt. One was, bingo. well, our awards, bingo. We did some bingo um, with different uh, Girl Scout and camping activities. It was a lot of that fun kind of game-based stuff. And being that we typically plan bridging for our service unit, we decided to do virtual bridging, which was awesome. Um, we created a Zoom 
meeting and we shared our screen and had a Google slide presentation, everything from a flag ceremony to recognition of the girls and the levels that are bridging. And we had the troops each design a slide of the girl for their girls that were bridging so that they could each have a chance to recognize and sort of talk about the things that they did. So I think we've, I'd like to think we've done a really nice job with kind of converting to that virtual aspect. I don't want to have to continue it forever, um, but I think the programming and things that we've done for our girls has, has really been nice. We also did a virtual camp week because we missed that encampment. We released it that same week where we would have been camping together. And it had things from cooking to hiking to tying knots to building a tent. Um, and it was really at the comfort level of the family, the activities that they wanted to complete. And, um, you know, they just took pictures along the way and sent them to us so we could share them at the end of our our camp week and at the end of our year. Uh, so we did try to keep as much routine and things the same, but give it kind of that virtual twist. <laughs> okay, getting off COVID a little bit, what is one of your craziest or silliest memories with Girl Scouts? So my, I guess, craziest or silliest, I just remember it being so much fun. Um, as a teen girl, I don't remember if it was cadets or seniors, but we planned a trip to Laurel Caverns in Pennsylvania. And we stayed, I wanna say we stayed in a hotel with a pool and that was like the coolest thing, but we went spelunking. So we had a, a three hour self-guided tour where it was just our troop, just our group of girls. And we went spelunking through this cave. They had rock walls that we could climb. There was a place where you would walk up and then rappel down. Um, there were parts of the cave where you had to literally lay on your stomach and like army crawl through because the passages were so narrow. There were these huge rooms where your voice just echoed and these awesome like puddles of water and the stalactites and stalagmites. Like, it was amazing to see and just knowing we had to take a safety class beforehand and that was kind of where the anxiety hits the roof because they're telling you if you need help in this cave it could be seven hours they may not be able to find you depending on which route you take and i know that they were just telling us kind of worst case scenario maybe to even scare us into like don't wander off we saved a bat that had fallen who knows how long to the ground you know our tour guide scooped him up and kind of set him off to the side so he didn't get squashed uh, it was just such a, a crazy experience. I never thought that I would have been, you know, inside a cave exploring the parts that not just the tourist people get to see. And at the very end, we went into a room of the cave and it was pitch black. We turned off all our flashlights. We couldn't see our hand in front of our face. And the guide lit up their watch light, like pushed the button to light up their watch and it lit up the entire room of the cave. And we were able to find our way out of that room just using the light on our guide's watch because it was so dark in that cave. And it was just, it was so crazy. And I, if I had older girls, I would take them splunking in the cave. It was just such a neat experience. You know, this is our problem with little ones is we wanna do everything, but they're not yet ready. <laughs> So my craziest 
Girl Scout memory. Um, and I guess it's more so of like a personal like crazy because um, coming from a background where you live with like your grandparents and you don't get to go on so many adventures outside of Girl Scouts. So I tried to push the limits within Girl Scouts. So my senior year in high school, um, I found out that there was a Girl Scout trip to Europe. 10 days going to Europe. Now, I'd only been out of the country once at this point in my life, been on a ha like handful of plane rides. That was it. But I decided I was going to Europe. And having to convince my dad and my grandparents that I was going out of the country without them once I turned 18 and I was graduating high school. And I did it. I raised money um, with Girl Scouts in order to fund this trip. And I got to spend 10 days in Europe right before I started my freshman year in college going to, uh, where did we go? London. And we went to England. And we went to Switzerland. And I got to visit two of the um, world centers. I got to go to Pax Lodge and our chalet. Um, and we got to participate in different like ceremonies that were special to them. And oh yeah, there was a group of like 40 of us. It wasn't just like 10 of us. It was 40 Girl Scouts like traveling around Europe for 10 days um, in a country where I didn't speak the language and had no idea what I was doing, but I was on a mission to go on a trip before I started college. And it was an awesome adventure. Like everybody made sure, you know, even the, the girls that didn't have their parents go with them, like they always had somebody there watching out for them. And it was just like, amazing. I look back at the pictures and I'm like, I was there. Like I was in Switzerland at our chalet and looking out at the mountains and I would totally do it again, but I don't know how the adults did it. Like, how are you responsible for all of these children in a foreign country and making sure they all made it back in one piece? Like that just seems crazy to me, but I, I take it on. I don't know about 40 people in one group, but it's definitely a memorable trip. And I definitely recommend anybody who like is looking at international travel with your girls, like they're going to remember it forever. Okay. Two follow-ups on the Europe trip. We'll start there. So you mentioned that you got the money together. How, how did you do that? I got a good portion of it. So um, I remember we did a pie, like a pumpkin pie sale around Thanksgiving. Um, I sold poinsettias for Christmas. Uh, we used cookie money towards it. Any sort of odds and ends that came our way, we were over there and we were, you know, trying to raise a dollar to fund our trip. Yeah. Okay. That's so um, those money earning opportunities were through Girl Scouts. Like you're the Girl Scouts who wanted to go on this trip did those extra projects to go. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that's one of the biggest um, hangups that people have is like, I would have to sell so many cookies per girl in order for our troop to go. It feels really inaccessible. So, and then on the note, of you would love to take girls spelunking except you have daisies and um you both have that bug of we would do everything if do you ever feel tempted to lead a second troop or to move up with your girls no not at all we fulfill that sort of itch by doing the being part of the committees of some of the other activities that our service unit puts together um so we do encampment and a lot of the programming falls on us to plan so if it's something that we want to see girls do we just pick a theme or plan an activity around that sort of idea um and with that high adventure day that Jen was talking about at the end of the school year last year, we also helped plan program for that. I think through our service unit kind of helped facilitate 
without being directly the person involved in those activities. If we ever had a troop and maybe as our girls become seniors and cadets and ambassadors and if they need adults to go with them, I 100%, I will go with you on your trip. I will take a group of girls into a cave. I will take a group of girls to England or France or, you know, Mexico, wherever you all want to go, but I'm not going to be the one in charge. And you're not going without your best friend either. <laughs> we'll go together. Okay, what has been the biggest challenge for you as a troop leader? Both of us being raised in Girl Scouts and now in the new Girl Scout world, it is trying to bridge the gap between what Girl Scouts look like when we were kids and how it looks now. Um, we want to instill so many of those traditional foundational Girl Scout skills in our girls, but at the same time, like stay trendy and have a program that is going to hold their interest and keep them wanting to come back for more. Um, so trying to find that happy balance of, you know what, that's kind of too old school, like we need to modify it, but also like, no, they need to know our roots and they need to know how Girl Scouts runs. And um, so sometimes trying to remember that. <laughs> And I think, too, dealing with the service unit and just having their support in the activities and things that we want to plan um, is so important for troop leaders and just knowing that they have somebody there that's going to kind of stand behind them. Both really interesting points. It's funny, I was going to ask you guys um, about the difference in program, and um, I wasn't sure how to do that without it being a leading question. So, um since you put it in your own words, what are, if you can think off the top of your head, um, what are some examples of things that you've had to either eliminate or change uh, that might feel outdated? So I think some of our events that we do, um, like we have some of our like traditional events, like thinking day or, you know, our father, daughter, sweetheart dance or things that have come along the way where we grew up doing them and we did them a certain way. Um, and now with new people planning them and not having them the same way, like we have to be open to change. And sometimes change isn't easy, especially when you're used to doing it a certain way. But also like having a team that'll step up and still continue these events so that the girls can do them um, without us taking on every single role just because we want these activities done is a hard balance. It's hard to find like the differences. Like Daisy's like didn't have pedals when we were growing up. So <laughs> there's this whole program now that we've had to get used to and update. And even so some of the things that we do, it's like we have to look at age appropriateness and developmentally appropriate for our girls and what they're looking at. Take a second, think about, remember what it was like when you were first starting your troop together when your best friend said, we're doing a troop, and you were getting ready to launch your troop together for the first time. If you could talk, the version of you now, if you could talk to that version of yourself then, what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself, this will become your life. Um, this will become your husband's life. Embrace the good and learn from the not so good. Uh, you're in it for the long haul. And you will continue to grow and become a better person and make a difference in the lives of others. I know sometimes it's hard to, you know, in the moment think what is worth it. You know, we're doing all of these planning. We're doing all these activities. Is anyone getting anything out of it? Um, just stick with it. it it's going to make a difference. That, that's, what I would, that's what I would tell myself. 
so I would have told myself to buy the lifetime membership because yes, like Kim said, you're in it for the long haul. Um, I didn't do that right away. It took me a few years before I was like, well, what are you doing? Why don't you have a lifetime membership? It's just so much easier. But I also would tell myself to get more parents involved. Um, Kim and I are very, you know, we're strong leaders, but trying to get others to help us isn't exactly one of our strong points all of the time. Um, but with the vision of creating, you know, a Daisy Troop, a Brownie Troop, that, you know, legacy that goes on, you need more people to help. You can't do it all. So to get more parents involved from the beginning, I think would have been helpful for us. So it wouldn't be so hard later on to get those parents involved to continue the troops and to pass off some of those things. Kim and I have a hard time delegating tasks, um, but to be able to release some of that power and give it to the parents and you know, teach us something um, would have been really helpful. Related on the delegate note, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner. How do you guys balance responsibility and the troop between the two of you? Oh, we're yin and yang. We are <laughs> the perfect match. Um, so there's things that Kim likes to do and there's things that I like to do. And then there's the things that we just have to do. So Kim is very like, into the program aspects of it. So she gets the girls started on the activities and gets them involved in whatever we're working on. Whereas I'm the paperwork and making sure, you know, the dues are paid, the permission slips are signed, everybody's signed in. Um, so we kind of divide our roles that way. Um, I do the cookie sales um, and then the scheduling. And But we just, we kind of I don't know. It's kind of just natural to us, Kim. I don't know like, if you have a better way to explain it. No, that's perfect. I mean, we just play off of each other. And I think we know too, like what the other person, what their strengths are and sort of the things that they don't like to do. So if Jen knows, I don't like sending that weekly email, she's on it. She sends it out. It's perfectly written. The parents, it's clear communication and it's on time every week with what, what it is that we're doing where I'm more like in the moment, let, you know, we'll do this as it sort of happens. And I, yeah, we just, not. Kim is the one. <laughs> yeah. I'm the knot tire. Um, I just think we just play so well off of each other. And at this point, I don't even know like I couldn't, don't think I could lead a troop with somebody else just because Jen and I know each other so well. It's not even a conversation anymore. It's just like, I'll do that. You do this. I'll do that. And it just gets done. And I think that's so important. And that's what helps our program run so well is because we just know each other so well. Yeah. And we know the program really well. So if one of us like can't be there or has something come up, like it's not a matter of like, it's the end of the world. Oh my gosh, she can't be there. Like we just know what to do and, you know, then get the other parents to like step up and Hey, you know, we do a lot for you. We do a lot with you, but we do need, you know, your help in these ways. Um, and that can kind of be like a hindrance to us sometimes as we are like together so much and on the same page that it's kind of hard to let people into our world. Um, but we do try and we have had a couple of leaders come out of our troop and, you know, they want to be like us. Um, so we've had that role model aspect. Um, and so I think that's a, you know, really helpful. So what advice would you give to brand new troop leaders who are just starting this process? For the brand new troop leaders, I would say it is about the girls, 100%. Um, if they are having fun, great. 
if they're not having fun, then as a leader, you need to change your attitude because most likely your attitude is the reason they're not having fun. Um, I have been to many events and things, and this is kind of where Girl Scouts is a kind of a pain for me. When I see the adults off to the side, not engaged, the girls pick up on that. Um, so just as much as you can, and you might feel silly or maybe out of your comfort zone, but just get in there and try to have fun with the girls. Your attitude is going to make or break it for them at any age. Um, And finding things that interest the girls. Not everything has to be about getting a patch or a badge or requirement for something. Just getting them exposed to things that they wanna do and if you're not confident in that skill that you need to teach or that you need to show them, ask around. You'll be surprised with what your families know how to do or your community knows how to do. I know we've had people come to encampments and other programs because we couldn't, we don't know how to teach coding. We don't know how to build robots, but we're willing to put in that legwork to reach out and find the people that are and kind of take a step back and be like, yeah, we don't know how to do this. So these nice people are going to teach you. Um, I think those are the biggest things that I would tell a new troop leader. So I'd say to remember to take it slow. Like this is your first year. You don't have to accomplish everything. Um, You know, have a plan in mind of what you want to do, but understand the plan is going to change. Um, You know, have a backup plan, but it's not about filling their vests. It's about filling their memories and their experiences. And that's the things that they're going to remember um, and keep them going. Like, you know, yeah, getting a patch is great or getting a pedal is great, but you don't have to do it all. You know, this is you learning the, your role and what you like. So take it slow, take it easy. Um, you don't have to accomplish everything. All great advice. All right, let's wrap up this interview with what are at least one, but however many you want, what are your favorite resources that you found or like your go-to to help you run your troop? Oh, we are social media queens. Um, we are all over social media between Pinterest and Facebook and Twitter and anything that's going on. Um, we are saving it to a board or sending it in a text or putting it in the Google Drive. I'd say we rely on Pinterest the most. I don't know. There's some Facebook groups out there. <laughs> yeah. We originally started with Pinterest, but some of the Facebook groups out there um, definitely you know, provide us with a lot of ideas, but it's also remembering like, all right, this is feasible. This is something we can do. This is something obtainable. Whereas, you know, some of the things aren't, or, you know, based on where we are, like, it's just not, you know, happening, but. It's neat too. Now we're starting to be able to share some of the resources and ideas that we've created. Um, A lot of leaders were looking for that virtual camp out. And I was like, look, we did it with our daisies. It's doable. Let me share the slides that we created. And I think that's kind of neat too, is in the beginning, it was all like, what can we find? Let's pull, let's save. But now we're also able to turn around and be like, this is what we did and kind of give back to those groups that have been so supportive and helpful with us when we were starting. If anybody listening to this is interested in checking out those resources that you've shared, where have you shared them so they can go find them? The Facebook group is Girl Scout Gab. Um, A lot of it is just kind of somebody will post something and usually I'm the one to respond like, 
Jen and I have done this. And because it's all in Google Drive, we do a lot of this stuff in Google Drive. Uh, they're not on like the files section of the Facebook group because it's, it's an email that gets sent to them. But we're open to sharing, you know, with anybody who posts, okay, can you send this to me? Can you send this to me? Here's my email address. Um, but that Girl Scout Gab Facebook group is pretty much the one we use. Um, and then when we're looking on Pinterest, we just search for whatever petal or badge or activity we're interested in completing. 